Bloomington Normal has plenty of birthing options, more than newcomers might realize. We're first-time parents, so we had never gone through this before, and we're just kind of navigating it ourselves. It's the next installment of our Welcome Home series, coming up on WGLT's news magazine, Sound Ideas. Good afternoon. I'm John Norton. Also on the show today, Dan Brady says he's focusing on his funeral home business now that he's out of public life, but his political career may not be dead yet. There's still um, a lot of uh, energy in Dan Brady. Um, There's the desire to serve. Plus, the Illinois National Guard starts a new effort to stop violence, harassment, and self-harm within its ranks. That's what my team is kind of focused on again. Try to preventing this you know, harmful violence before it happens. Those stories after a Bloomington Normal News update, which is just ahead. This is WGLT's Sound Ideas on 89.1 FM and WGLT.org. Support for WGLT comes from Bloomington Normal Audiology. BNA's educational video series, Hear My Story, continues with local patient Jerry Newkirk. In retrospect, absolutely, I wish wish that I would have done it sooner. It's, it's a very necessary sense that you need to take care of. Jerry's full story can be found at bnaudiology.com. From the campus of Illinois State University in Normal, this is WGLT's news magazine, Sound Ideas. I'm John Norton. Expectant parents in Bloomington Normal are lucky. Some communities in Illinois have lost their baby unit at their local hospital, forcing a long drive at an inopportune time. In Bloomington Normal, there are four primary options. There are the two hospitals, Carl Broman and OSF St. Joseph. There's the fast-growing birth center of Bloomington Normal, and there's home birth. As part of WGLT's ongoing series, Welcome Home, aimed at helping our newest neighbors learn about the community. WGLT's Ryan Denham has this story about how to decide where to deliver. We're going to compare, contrast, pros, cons, all that. Let's start with rooms and privacy. Carl Broman's mother baby unit is bigger and delivers more babies each year, about 65% of babies in Bloomington Normal. Carl Broman's current mother baby unit opened in 2012. It has 28 rooms, including 18 for traditional labor, delivery, recovery, and postpartum, what it calls LDRPs, all in the same private room. OSF St. Joseph's current birthing unit opened in 2011, and it has 14 private rooms. Elizabeth Robertson of Bloomington chose Carl when she delivered her son last May. On the morning of her scheduled non-emergency induction, Carl called her and said they were too busy with laboring moms to bring her in. Turns out Robertson went into labor herself anyway. Even with as busy as they were, they were fantastic. I So sweet and so kind and stayed on top of everything. The birth center of Bloomington Normal opened in 2016 and has done over 800 births. It's run by midwives and offers what it calls a personal, private, family-centered birth experience. Director of Midwifery Amy Hill says about 80 to 85 percent of pregnancies are considered low risk and eligible for delivery at the birth center. As far as risking patients out, it's very much individualized and we're looking at each patient and each patient's history when they come in and just making sure that there's nothing, you know, that might elevate their level of care that they need. Our next category is visitors and support team. What's allowed and what's not. At Carl Broman, up to three support people are allowed in the room for labor and delivery with no swapping. During postpartum, two masked visitors are allowed and can rotate. Siblings are allowed to visit, but no one else under age 18. At OSF St. Joseph, you're allowed three visitors in your room during labor, then two during delivery. 
Here's Sherry Piper, Director of Nursing Practice and Operations at OSF. We encourage those giving birth and new mothers to have their support person with them in the room. We may limit visitors depending on the mother's preference or if there's a high level of illness in the community, but we want to ensure the safety of the newborn and the mother. At the birth center, there is no limit on the number of support people or visitors. Next, let's talk pain. The pain management options at OSF and Carl are similar, such as IV pain medication, epidural, and laughing gas. Both hospitals also offer hydrotherapy during labor, basically immersion in water, birthing in peanut balls, and showers in all patient rooms. Heidi Kim is OSF St. Joseph's nurse navigator for the baby unit. They definitely want to know what their options are, whether they're thinking they want to deliver all natural, but also in the event that they change their mind, which I do encourage patients to have an open mind. But we definitely have all the different things that I feel like patients are looking for. At the birth center, you're looking at an all-physiological birth, so they've got nitrous oxide for pain relief, but no epidurals. The birth center does offer something that hospitals can't, water births. Here's Shelby Springer, a birth doula and photographer who's given birth herself at a hospital, at the birth center, and at home. That's been a really big deciding factor for a lot of families lately. Now let's talk about neonatologists. Those are special doctors who have special training required to evaluate and treat newborns' medical problems. Sherry Piper from OSF St. Joseph says they have 24-7 neonatology provider coverage on the unit. So they are always here on our unit 24-7. Carl Broman says it has a neonatologist on site on weekdays and available to be on site 24-7 if needed. The neonatologist remains on site when anticipating or caring for a newborn requiring a higher level of medical care. Kelly Sidebottom is a nursing supervisor and unit educator at Carl Broman. So in that event that we need them, they are readily available. Ashley Ott of Bloomington delivered her daughter in 2021. She chose Carl in part because it had a neonatologist. They found out during pregnancy that her daughter was missing one of her hands and had a kidney issue. They only they knew about her kidney and her hand. They didn't know if there was like any other issues that were going on. So just somebody that was that could be there when she was delivered that could intervene in, like immediately was my main thing. I was also told I couldn't have kids. So whenever I found out I was pregnant and able to have a child, I'm like, I want to make sure everything goes smooth how it's supposed to. Both hospitals highly tout their other doctors and nursing staffs. Carl has an obstetrician in the hospital at all times, a differentiator. Having the availability of having an obstetrician right here in-house if an emergency happens, that is amazing for, from a safety standpoint. OSF says it has 24-7 call coverage by an OB provider group and 24-7 call coverage for patients who do not have an OB doctor. They're available to come in when called. Dr. Joseph Santiago is an OB who has delivered babies at both hospitals. And St. Joe's is a great hospital. This is definitely not not St. Joe at all. But when you deliver 70% of the babies here in town, you know, that means that they're, they give you more resources. You know what I mean? Like it, it's busier. You deliver more babies. So the hospital recognizes that. Huh, you need more resources. OSF says one of its differentiators is its Nurse Navigator Personalized Care Program, offered free to all patients. Provided from 20 weeks through postpartum, the Nurse Navigator helps patients with private tours of the baby unit, pre-registration, and other insight, advice, and guidance. Megan Elkins of Bloomington delivered her daughter last September at OSF. She said her Nurse Navigator was very helpful. Ours was great. I think I would have been lost without her because this was our first time we're first-time parents, so we had never gone through this before, and we're just kind of navigating it ourselves, but that was an added bonus. 
Both hospitals are Gold Level Safe Sleep certified by the organization Cribs for Kids. Doulas are welcome at both hospitals and at the birth center. Now let's get into some more specific circumstances, like those who've had a C-section before but now want to do a vaginal birth. That's called a VBAC. Because the surgical cut during a C-section results in a scar on the uterus, there's concern that the pressure of labor could cause the uterus to open or rupture along the scar. It's rare, but it's life-threatening. Both Bloomington Normal Hospitals allow VBAC deliveries. Amy Hill says those who've had one prior C-section are also eligible for a VBAC at the birth center. That is something relatively new in the last couple of years that we have started taking the VBAC patients here at the birth center just because their options are limited and so we want to give them the fair chance to have that vaginal birth if they're a good candidate. Tubal ligation is a surgical procedure to prevent pregnancy, also known as getting your tubes tied. Tubal ligation can be done at any time, including after childbirth or in combination with a C-section. Carl Broman allows tubal ligation procedures. OSF St. Joseph does not. Here's OSF spokesperson Shelley Dankoff. We are a Catholic healthcare organization, and we do not offer those procedures as part of normal delivery because of the, uh, the teachings of the Catholic Church. So um, that would be a discussion with the physician, with their care provider on how to achieve that. Of course, the best place to get answers to your questions is at the hospital or birth center itself, like through a tour. COVID-19 and more recently, the spread of RSV and other seasonal illnesses have disrupted visitor access to hospitals. OSF is currently offering private tours of its baby unit. Carl Broman is not currently offering in-person tours, although that changes pretty frequently. A virtual tour is available online. The birth center offers a virtual tour online, or you can call and schedule an in-person tour. I'm Ryan Denham. That story is part of WGLT's ongoing series, Welcome Home. It's aimed at helping those who have recently moved to Bloomington Normal learn about the community. You can find all the stories in the series, plus a link to our Facebook group just for transplants at WGLT.org welcome. This is Sound Ideas, WGLT's news magazine. Former state representative Dan Brady is establishing a new routine in life without politics. For decades, the Bloomington Normal Republican had to balance his family and his business with public events, committee meetings, general assembly, and party leadership duties. He tells WGLT's Charlie Slanker he can now be with his funeral home business more. Brady says he's also still recovering from a year and a half of a statewide campaign for secretary of state. That has been quite frankly, a breath of fresh air to be able to recharge uh, the battery, so to speak. And, you know, looking forward to what may be next. And for right now, certainly what is on my particular agenda is my business profession right now. Uh, and being able to serve those families uh, that call upon our firm in their time of need. You said election night that there would still be a place for public service in your life. Are you starting to see what that might look like now? A little bit. I don't have anything immediate on the horizon per se. Exploring some things, some people have reached out to me. Uh, there's always the talk of, you know, politics. One door closes, another one opens. There's still um, a lot of uh, energy in Dan Brady. Um, there's the desire to serve, which has been my entire adult life, has been public service uh, in one way or another. Volunteer, running for an elected office boards, committees I've served on over the years, I'll certainly keep my, my options open and never say never. You were a part of the, the Janulius transition team, which is unusual. What policy suggestions or plans did you help develop? 
there are several committees, and the one that uh, I chaired happened to be the Organ and Tissue Donation Committee. We presented a report to uh, the Secretary on a number of initiatives of how we um, can increase the um, numbers of individuals that uh, register to be an organ donor or tissue donor in the state. Also, that particular area of that office can do more in community outreach, public education, uh, working with our two main organ donor teams in this state with Gift of Hope and uh, MidAmerica. Everything from the training of employees of in-services to know more about what they're asking people or people are asking of them when it comes to organ donation at a, at a driver's facility to the actual division itself in the Secretary of State's office and what it's doing across the state of Illinois, not just in, in, in uh, Organ Donation Month of April, um, but across the, the state on a yearly basis, on a daily basis. And so a lot of things in that report. And then another passion of mine had been distracted driving for teens, and not only teens, but distracted driving, period. So all those committees submitted reports, and we did as well. And uh, as recent as last week, had discussions with um, some of the uh, new f staff at the Secretary of State's office and some of the old staff and talking about some of these things and how, how to implement something. There are constraints on a sitting lawmaker as to how candid they can be about situations in Springfield. You no longer have those constraints. Is there anything you'd like to tell the public about politics in Springfield that you think could be better, about uh, the way the system works or doesn't work? Well, I, I certainly think things could be better. Things can always be better. The process and the environment has changed from Republicans and Democrats um, in, in my f first run for office in my first years there in Springfield uh, had more interaction than they do now. A super minority, the Republicans find themselves in, in the House, and the majority that the Democrats find themselves in, in the House, the Senate, and the governor's mansion, I think is a dangerous thing when um, all the eggs are one, in one basket, political power-wise. When you don't have to have any involvement and reach across the aisle and, and, and look for votes from the other side, you can just drive the train and be the conductor and do whatever you want. And that's when I think the people lose. When the majority and the plurality of votes are to where we don't need to talk to the other side, uh, who still represents millions of people across the state of Illinois, that's when even more political infighting within a party starts. Because when the majority party needs some votes, then the people win because there's got to be forced compromise. People have to sit down. They have to talk, whether that's a budget bill, whether that's any other type of major legislation. This is Sound Ideas. I'm Charlie Schlenker. We're talking with former State Representative Dan Brady, a retrospective on his time in Springfield, his decades in Springfield. There are a lot of factors that go into that, that dynamic in Illinois right now. There's the systemic tendency to create safe districts, which reduces the likelihood of compromise. There's um, Chicago, mm -hmm. which has an outsized impact on the rest of the state and has a, a, a marked uh, political bent, and a number of other things. So what do you think will shift the dynamic towards something that is more prone to compromise? I think a part of it is those districts and how maps are drawn in Illinois. I think there needs to be change, and there's there's been change as a been attempted over the years, but has not occurred. Um, in the Secretary of State's race 
it wasn't the boundaries because it's the whole state. But if you look at what one of the things I noticed, um, what the Republicans did in the primary to themselves from a political party standpoint, the Republicans over the years have hitched their wagon to who has the most money, an individual and most recently that I went through, created a slate, a handful of people who they thought was the slate of the people that should be running for these offices. And, and they forgot one thing, the will of the people, the voice of the people. And in especially Republican politics, uh, they made a, a mistake and a calculation that was a huge mistake. And, and that just shows from the standpoint of consultants and how uh, those who think they know what they're talking about got proved wrong but they still get the commissions and move on and and fade away into the sunset and the rest of us are left with uh, the mess that they created those who were able to convince mr griffin to invest millions of dollars upwards some 50 million dollars and had a slate of who these handful of people mike z as he's referred to as and others that they knew better than the people of illinois in a republican primary and what they ended up doing with 50 million dollars of mr griffin's money was winning two races in a Republican primary uh, for comptroller and treasurer that run opposed. They lost every other race. That's a terrible investment. And that comes from arrogance, egos, and individuals that should be uh, listening instead of talking. That's, that's something that I think, obviously, in a Republican Party needs to be rebuilt. I can't speak to the Democrat side of things. How can the Republican Party cure that mistake? Number one, that party and a chairman of that party has to bring individuals together to sit down to talk before it's everybody's right to run and i'm not i'm not one that likes slating people i'm not one that likes to say that we are going to endorse but the mere idea of at least some conversation to say okay if we're all going to go out and your candidates and you're going to do this could we find some common area of which maybe if you agreed to this or you agreed to that, we could we could maybe whittle down some of these candidates because at the end of the day, it's everybody's right to run, but let's be a realist and look at resources, what's available, and what we could do and stronger as a party. But when you don't even have that communication, you can't even sit down at a table first before the high-powered political consultants who think they know best are out there to do nothing more than earn their big commissions and mislead people. When they're allowed to just do what they want, that's wrong. That comes from leadership in the Republican Party that needs to change. That's former state representative Dan Brady of Bloomington Normal, who has spent nearly all of his adult life in public service. He spoke with WGLT's Charlie Schlenker. Thanks for joining us on Sound Ideas. This is WGLT's News Magazine. I'm John Norton. The new Illinois National Guard Integrative Prevention Officer is hoping his years of experience in mental health can help aid him in developing strategies to stop harmful behaviors before they start. Matt Palmasano of Peoria is leading a team of seven under the Integrated Primary Prevention Workforce. It's a brand new program that seeks to prevent sexual violence, workplace violence and harassment, self-directed harm and family violence and abuse within the National Guard. In this conversation, Palmasano tells Jody Holtz from sister station WCBU about his public health approach to combating some of these behaviors. You know, just to be clear, what primary prevention is, is stopping the you know, harmful behavior before it happens. So the guard, you know, it's part of society and, and violence is a societal issue, right? It's a public health issue. So we break it down to interpersonal violence, 
and self-directed violence. You know, having been a, a therapist within the military and I, I have really seen the impact of service member coming in and talking about, you know, being abused sexually or domestic abuse or child abuse. You know, I'm, I'm here to really try to help correct those things. I mean, doing the best I can. And that's what my team is kind of focused on. Again, try to preventing this, you know, harmful violence before it happens. I guess, how do you see some of these issues sort of bleeding into and or just impacting the workplace or just the overall kind of environment or, or atmosphere of, of the Illinois National Guard? You know, you see a lot of unfortunate, like, alcohol misuse or it sometimes can, can lead to legal issues in the military. They have that, uh, you know, a fear of retaliation. Um, there's stigma also involved. You know, in the military, it's a hierarchical structure. So there's a lot of complexity um, when someone does, say, report, you know, a sexual assault. There's a lot of resources already there, but, you know, it's just trying to support the survivors. We are trying to, you know, find uh, really good strategies and, and programs. You know, these are evidence-based that can help the commanders support military leaders, you know, accelerate positive change. We also like really want to foster healthy command climates. I guess, how does the program look in action? Like, is this a, a large group training situation? So it's data-driven. So I can speak from experience with suicide prevention. For the last couple of years, we've been doing what's called RTPs or resiliency tactical pauses, which are more small group discussions. Um, there's no doubt that these kind of larger group settings, they can help. But just speaking to the suicide prevention, it's actually, we're trying to think of more like kind of bottom up approach, what works for the service member. We really talk and try to educate the service members of, you know, okay, so, you know, it's okay to ask your buddy, you know, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Have you ever wished you were dead or wish you could go to sleep and not wake up? You know, these kind of difficult questions that we try to prepare our service members to be able to ask and then give them the resources uh, to provide help for that service member in crisis. That was Matt Palmasano, Illinois National Guard Integrative Prevention Officer with Jody Holtz from Sister Station WCBU. More information on Palmasano and the program he leads is at WGLT.org. And that is Sound Ideas Today. WGLT's news magazine is made possible in part by Bloomington Normal Audiology. This is 89.1 FM, WGLT and WGLT.org, Bloomington Normal's public media, part of the NPR network.